Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So what are you looking for? Is it a a feeling, maybe perhaps a destination? When I get there, then, when I get there, then, I'll have fill in the blank. I like to percolate it down to a feeling. What are you looking for? Oh, when I get a new job, I'll feel, I'll feel more secure. Oh, when I X, Y, Z, I will feel X, Y, Z. What's that feeling? So, so what if, um, I was thinking about this the other day. What if you found fabulous? I feel fabulous. And that's a wonder who, I mean, fabulous. How, how is fabulous? Well, it's, it's fabulous. If that became the norm, in, in other words, the only feeling that you had, do you think over time you would long for another feeling? I guess what I'm poking at here is to get clear in our own noggin to kind of contemplate what do we want. And I like the contemplation of what do we want from a feelings point of view. So many people are feeling anxious and they're feeling nervous and they're feeling perhaps afraid and unsure because there's so much upheaval in the collective. Maybe they want a sense of normalcy. Maybe they want a sense of consistency. Maybe they want a sense of predictability that they might find some rest in the storm. Um, I'm super stoked about tonight's show, A a Taste of Joy. And our guest tonight is Emily Francis. Emily lives on the the island of, I want to say, yeah, on Malta. And this this interview was recorded at some flipping early hour in the morning. (laughs) When I when I edit the shows, I can really tell uh, how much my brain is engaged, and I I want to give every one of my guests everything I have. But some of these early morning shows have been interesting. But uh, what's the feeling that what would do the trick? Is it like? 
sensual, pleasurable, sexual, um, an orgasm or a hug or a, uh, a, a night in front of the fireplace with your beloved. What I'm kind of kind of getting at here is I don't think there's a place we can park ourselves and be done. Like I have arrived. I there's nothing. I don't like the word required. There's nothing required of me. I have arrived. And yeah, I'm thinking that the evolution of ourselves, the ever unfolding of ourselves, the ever exploring, if you will, maybe the final frontier is an inside job. <laughs> I like that. Um, what I like about tonight's show is, uh, first of all, Emily is such a, a a joyful person. She really is organic in her own persona, if that makes sense. And to up and move from the United States, a busy city in the United States, to the island of Malta in the Mediterranean. Wow, what a what a shift in gears. What a I mean, the busyness of the rat race, if I if I just get this next step and if I hurry over here and if I hurry over there, happiness must be over there. Why else would they hurry? Uh, um and yet and yet sometimes maybe it's unplugging Unplugging from our ego's drive, our our ego's longing for a particular feeling like it's going to fill our cup for the rest of eternity. Anyway, I like noodling these things, if you can't tell. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I want to give a shout out to India and Norway. We've had a big spike in listeners from both those countries, and I always appreciate that. Uh, We're in our 12th or maybe 13th year by now, hundreds of episodes. They're all free online. I think we should get to it because this is going to be a fun show. It's a great interview. I really, really enjoyed it. Again, the topic tonight is the taste of joy and our guest is Emily Francis. The taste of joy shows you the value of living simply, mindfully, seasonally, and naturally while feeding the body and soul more richly. Explore your own path to happiness as Emily recounts her eye-opening experiences Getting to know a new region, its inhabitants, and their culture. With Emily's thought-provoking pearls of wisdom and a handful of recipes, you can get a taste of blissful happiness and discover how to create a quality life you can relish instead of simply endure. Emily has a bachelor's in exercise science and wellness 
with a minor in nutrition and a master's degree in human performance. Since moving to Malta in the Mediterranean, he has been writing a regular column in the local tourism magazine, Oh My Malta, where she interviews local farmers, fishermen, and chefs. He also reviews restaurants for a collaborative weekly column entitled A Chef and a Foodie on Tour and works as a contributing writer to Malta's Gourmet Today magazine. Let's jump into the interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you, Les. It's nice to be here. A taste of joy. Wow. Now, is that like a box of chocolates or, I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I wish it could be that simple. (laughs) If I could root through my pantry, do I have a chance in hell of finding a taste of joy? Yes, actually you do. If you're a food lover, because that's, that's part of the backbone of this book is I moved to the Mediterranean. So I moved from Atlanta, Georgia to the island of Malta during COVID. Uh, and changed everything in my life. But what really changed the game, not just being here, but I became a writer for for the farmers here on this island and the way that foods are grown and harvested locally, GMO-free. It's a GMO-free country. And I wanted to learn about their their food practices. And I am such a lover of food. So that became my taste of joy did come through in the food. So in your pantry, yeah, I hope you have some things that, that bring you some joy. Nice. Very nice. Well, the um, so the obvious question is, what do you miss most about the United States? <laughs> I miss my mom the most. There you go. It's not a place. It's definitely not a place. Uh, but I miss my mom. And right. she's come here already. We brought her here that first summer. But I, that is definitely the very top of my list. But I'll tell you the, the um, material things that I miss the most, and you might laugh, but they're true. I miss the toilet paper in the United States. Woo-hoo! And uh, <laughs> I really do. And uh, we moved here with my cat, who has now passed away, but, but she lived a long life. And I really hate the kitty litter here in Malta. It's nothing like the States. So those were like the two top things where I really miss the toilet paper. I miss the three ply and I miss uh, cat litter that clumps that you can clean. It doesn't turn to paste. So are you saying we're really good at accommodating crap here? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's all bathroom humor. It's all around the bathroom. But really. well, that's, a, that's a good thing because there is a lot of crap in the United States. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anywho, you know, um, I'm excited and delighted to have you on the show because you're so you're so vibrant the the taste of joy is evident in your persona and w- when I drive around I see a lot of people really drowning in the mundane looking for meaning in their life uh, uh not a hope of a smile on their face and I think we all have the Kool-Aid. We all have the stuff we need to get whatever we want. But if we don't know how to go about it, joy can seem like a distant dream to people. How uh, 
Um, to look back when when you didn't have joy, how how much has your life changed? I mean, I don't think people understand the power of joy. I think joy is actually probably the strongest or one of the strongest emotions that we can feel. And it's been it's funny because the word joy uh, has been pulling me in slowly for a long, long time. And um, I'm the writer or the creator of the somatic emotion chart, your body's emotions from 20 plus years of, of body work, body healing. And the way that we process joy in our musculature, in our physiology. And I remember talking to my friend who's a psychotherapist and she said, you know, joy is felt through the physiology in your body. And it really sparked a, a line of thought for me because I don't know that joy is easy to come across, but when you start to feel it, we tend to push it away because we really don't know how to sit still when joy comes to visit us. And it doesn't matter where you live in the world. It really doesn't. The vision, perception of what you see has to shift the focus. And then when joy does come to visit and you feel it, you find out, you close your eyes, you feel it in your body, you take it in. It's not a verbal reaction. But when that comes, Start to pay attention so that you can build on it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, um, do we like uh, do we like bury our joy with um, heartache and and dogma and narrative our egos addicted to? And I mean, why is it so elusive to us in our lives sometimes? All right, so here's my theory, but it's because I'm coming from a biased perspective. Because of the fact that I have been in the healing world for so long, I feel like we get inundated with buzzwords. But here's what I've come to realize, and this might sound really a little nuts, but think about it really. I think that humans have been conditioned to be more comfortable sitting inside grief than we know how to sit inside joy because we spend so much time on the quest for healing that we constantly dive into the darkness. We constantly try to play with our shadow self or, or, you know, touch the grief because we don't know how to get out of it. But it's really a lot of it is because people haven't taught us, because I think children should teach us or we should keep the children right. open, but we haven't taught them to sit still and play in it when you feel joy. And instead, we shove it up, almost like, you know, those dating apps where you swipe right or whatever. Think about joy coming at you and somebody swipes. They swipe it away because they have no idea what to do with it. And they feel like if they feel it, if they stay happy and joyful in that moment, then something is definitely going to happen to kick them in the push, and they're going to have to go through some more trauma. But right. it doesn't really work like that. Oh, yeah. Well, the uh, I work in broadcast television um, I have for over four decades, and we would uh, – uh, that show video of this uh, village in Afghanistan or something, and the the whole flipping place is brown earth tones. I mean brown, and you know the the buildings are made from dirt and everything, and um, uh, or perhaps in Africa there'll be a small village. But what I'm getting at is. The little kids will be playing with a stick, 
And they'll have a smile on their face that's a million-dollar smile. They are so happy with nothing. And then, and then we were asked to send them supplies in the video cut to what we were prepping for them. And it's fluorescent green backpacks and bright orange. You know, it's like, that's the, do, you, do you see where you're sending this stuff? I mean, the, the, I, it's, I think sometimes we feel like if we can just Americanize these people, they'll be happy. True. And when you look at but them. But it's opposite. They're already <laughs> happy. Why don't we quit exporting? They are. Yeah. So, you know, because Malta is a lot like that. It's very brown. It's desert. So I wasn't expecting that because Malta is surrounded by the sea. So you have a lot of opportunity to see blue. But all of the buildings are made of stone, limestone. They're all tan. You get lost here because everything looks the same. Right. And, the, and the soil is brown. And, you know, I watched all these fabulous videos before we moved here. But then all of a sudden we land and I feel like I'm in Afghanistan. Like all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, where the hell have I landed i'm in the desert how did i not know that we're in the desert and it was brown there's no amazon there's no target there's no walmart there's no cvs there's nothing that i'm used to there's nothing at my fingertips to go like like the school supply list was shocking to me because where am i supposed to get this stuff because they don't have any of the stores that i know and i mean it's been such a hard a a real labor of love to, to navigate this island that doesn't even have voicemail so if you miss a phone call, you hope they text you because otherwise you're not getting them. It's it's so different. And my friend said it to me the other day. She said, you know why you love it here? And I said, why? And she goes, because we're living in the 80s. Right. Yeah. I was just And it was like, oh, we are. And it took me a while. Honestly, it was like, okay, where's Target? Where's Taco Bell? Like, <laughs> give me something. You know? <laughs> but it was like, it's not there. And I had to fall in love with much smaller things, much simpler ways of living. And that's, that comes back to my farmers again, because getting to meet these people and go to their homes, they've been multi-generational farming in their family all their life. They don't have other sources of education. But when they, when they talk about their crops, they are the most brilliant people I've ever met. Right. They know their stuff, and they pass it through their, their children and their grandchildren. And the other thing that I find fascinating living here is, the, the amount of history that the young people here know right. is very different. So what they study, everybody here is at least bilingual. Most are for tri and quadra languages. Um, the, the things that people study or pay attention to is very different. It's old school. It's the arts. It's right. the cultures. It's and, been different, but it's beautiful. But I do think in America, especially with the bright orange and the bright green, that was also in our food. So when I got here and I didn't have all those extra flavors, I had to, in my mind, it was like, oh, I got to dull my senses because I'm so used to the food being so high, high vibrancy, right? But it wasn't high frequency. Right. It was crap. It was, you know, like, I mean, think about this, like Kraft Mac and Cheese. We got good good toilet paper, so it can be crap. You got good toilet paper. It's true. (laughs) But think about this. So Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, they don't have it here anywhere, okay? But in America, it's colored with orange food coloring. But in Europe where those colorings are banned, they're colored with turmeric. Oh, no. Or the red food coloring in the United States that we use like crazy that's so straight-up poisonous is banned all over the EU. They color it with beets. That gives it the red color. Right. I mean, it's just so different. Right. 
Well, you know, um, we've talked to just every walk of life on the show over the hundreds and hundreds of episodes. And, you know, I'm no sproctologist, but I'm thinking joy is the um, ticket, so to speak, the vehicle of manifestation. In other words, I mean, how many people have had a vision board and and they they have what they want up on this vision board and uh they're holding they're doing their morning affirmations and they're looking at the vision board and they're programming their DNA for all this stuff they want and a decade later nothing's changed and I and what I think I guess I'm talking about the physics of the universe in that when we're when we're told by sages and whatnot that we can manifest that we have this divine consciousness within us and we can manifest, I th- I think the universe is wired in such a way that an individual does have the ability to do that, but only when they're in joy. In other words, divinity won't help you make a war. Divinity won't help you make sorrow and depression, but divinity will help you create that which will bring you joy. And so when you move into the realm of joy, I suggest you're moving into a realm of consciousness that the universe does respond to. And when you're in joy and you have a clear vision of what you want, it's like temporal acceleration and it affords you the ability to manifest that which you seek because of the vehicle of joy, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Oh, and yeah. I think that's that's that different vision. That's what we need to focus on because I think a lot of times people try to manifest, but they're manifesting crap because they're always <laughs> thinking about all the parts they don't like. And I know we've heard it a million times, you know, don't don't say what you don't want. You know, always just say what you do. But also stop saying you want it because then you're always left wanting. Right. You know, yeah. there's, there's all these little finite things with manifesting. But with joy, it's almost like um, the the vision that I get in my head when I feel how I feel joyful. It's like um, George of the Jungle or a monkey flying on vines. They keep looking right. for the same vines and they fly through because now they know what it feels like to feel really joyful. Yeah. And so that's the only ones they're trying to search out are the top strongest vines. They don't want to be down in the bottom where the snakes live or wherever, you know. But we just have to we have to really be thinking very boldly and very um consistently so that we can dial up that that dial. I like that. Uh, the to to write to uh, I guess I'd say to schedule joy. Well, I'll be in joy Friday at three. Yeah. I've got some time Friday at three, yeah. and I, I, I don't. You know, it's uh, the, uh, the the way our lives are so um, fragmented in this uh, temporal goose step um, tradition of filling all of our time with scheduled things. What what part of uh, 
if I if I'm listening to the show and I don't have a sense of joy in my life, uh, how do I how do I bring in the doorway? How do I find the gate or the trail, the choices, the beliefs, the attitudes that will move me from my uh, where I am now and at least get me going in the right directions that I may feel joy um, in my life? Well, this is my opinion that I do believe the word joy, let's go to happy, because happy is actually a lot of times externally driven, and I believe that can lead you to joy. So if if I were, and I have been, I have been in terrible places in my life and had no idea how to turn it around, uh, and I didn't jump right over to joy. I just jumped right over to trying to change everything about how I viewed my life because back then I would look at authors and people basically people doing exactly what I'm doing now and think it was completely impossible because that was never meant for me. Like I was never deserving of, of those kinds of joys and, and, and strength and stamina and, you know, those things. And so I don't, I don't even know how I managed to pick myself up and, and start a whole new life, but it started small, but it did start externally. I had to do something that I wasn't currently doing. It has to. It cannot be that I'm going to do the exact same schedule of the exact same days and repeat and then somehow expect that I'm going to be happier. And so it's breaking out of the mold and starting small. I mean, I'm talking small. You can put on a YouTube video and follow a dance and learn. the. I did this this week, actually. I saw this Zumba dance that I really wanted to learn. And so I watched it every day and I learned the routine. And now my kids want to learn it because I go in the kitchen when I'm making breakfast and I do this routine first thing in the morning because it makes me feel good. Does it change anything in my life? Not necessarily. Does it set me up for a better day? Absolutely. It's small. So it's, to me, to really bring in something means you have to shatter some part. You have to go externally driven and bring something to you that you don't currently have now. And it doesn't mean you have to buy it. It just means you have to be open and step into a different part of what you're doing. Nice. Well, a Zumba class online, you know, I bought an ant farm and I just take a handful of ants and swim down my pants and then I... You are so bad. (laughs) And then I do this gyration thing. Then you do the... But it's never the now, same I will twice. Say, <laughs> I signed up for a dance class here in Malta. I've never done that before. I'm not a dancer. I was a cheerleader. But now I'm taking ballet funk and dancer size, like I'm going clubbing, but in my sports bra and tennis shoes. But I'm doing it twice a week, and I'm like, it takes a lot. I have a lot of anxiety around this, so yeah. I try to talk myself out of it every single time. But I still show up. And then I leave there really proud of myself, and I'm building. I'm building something, and it has nothing to do with anybody but me. And it's awesome. Well, Emily, you can't say you're not a dancer anymore then if you go dancing. I know. I do go dancing. I'm taking ballet funk this evening. <laughs> Funkadelic. Wow. How cool is that? It's fun. But, but I do think we have to be braver with, with, with what we're given. Just braver. I mean, it doesn't have to be all the time every day. So even, but you also have to give yourself the breaks. So a lot of times when people step onto their new path, 
and they've put something in front of them and now they're goal driven, they don't give themselves permission on some of those days to go, you know what, I don't have it in me at all today. Right, I'm going to yeah. go buy a pack of Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> I'm going to eat them. I'm going to sit down. Like, this morning, I thought, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this before I meet with you. And then part of me went, you know what I'm really going to do? I'm going to go lay down. Then I'm going to take a bath. Then I'm going to, you know, like I did a few little things, and I thought, how lazy I feel. And then I had right. to counter it and go, you're not lazy. You've been working really hard. If this is the time that you can be alone, nobody has to know that you're sitting in the bathtub making your phone calls. <laughs> you don't have to tell people. You just can do it. And then I stopped making phone calls and let myself read a book. It's my favorite place to read bathtub so why not do that but that's just that's mine you know well normal the word normal by its very nature means more of the same so, so if you get stuck in normal in other words if you do what you quote normally quote uh, whatever un, uh, do normal is never a component of change it's just not. So if we have, uh, you know, the, the more we talk, the more I can see that we get in our own way with what we're supposed to do or the, or the, quote, correct way to do this. You know, am I doing it right? Like you were just saying, I decided to take the morning in a different direction. And part of you said, eh? I mean, is this, uh, is this, uh, quote, correct, unquote, and and maybe some of the stigma or a lot of the stigma is this white picket fence template of what life is supposed to look like, and if there's blasphemy to nature, it's the white picket fence template of how humans should behave. It's that there should be seven billion ideas of what heaven looks like, not one idea, because we all sing to our own song and and a, the idea that a template is something we should all follow seems like blasphemy don't you think you know what you really hit it i'll tell you that to me is one of the most important things that anybody can figure out in the world because there are some people that are really meant to just do a nine to five and do what you know do their job and then maybe have minimal passion but there's a lot of people that don't fit that mold at all. And then they walk around lost because everybody tells them they're wrong. Or like when I first started writing, my mom would always go, will you stop with all those cockamamie ideas and get a real job? Right. And I just kept thinking like, no, I will not because then it's going to deter <laughs> me from what I really want to do. And I've always known I'm different. And then I finally started using it to my advantage instead of thinking it made me less than somebody else. But that's the same. That whole mundane or thinking that you're stuck in the script of your life that somebody else wrote. Like, what are we doing? That, that's the part that we have to wake up to and go, that's not, that's, I didn't write that script. I don't want to follow it anymore. So if you're a parent or if it's a parent, you're a parent, you know, and you want to bring a little laughter and joy into your family dynamic when the family sits down for dinner you know, make it okay to have a food fight. Maybe start off the night real stoic and, you know, uh, with that stick up your ass kind of posture. And <laughs> then just slowly put your hand in the gravy bowl and slap your face on both sides. And the, the kids will look at you like, what? What is going yeah. on here? 
And then there's not a chance I would do that, but I would slap some olive oil on my face and throw them out to take care of your skin. But oh man! But 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 <laughs> to, but as a to break the stigma of what should yeah, happen. Yeah. Oh, it's true. You're right. That's a big teaching tool if you really wanted to do that. And I do have dogs, so they clean up everything. Nice. <laughs> you see, you're practical and you're happy. So the <laughs> right. Well, I brought these dogs from America, so they're American dogs living in Malta. So they they really appreciate this Maltese Mediterranean food. They like it, and they don't use toilet paper or kitty litter. You know, I no, they don't. I, I found a trick. You just mix a kitty litter in with a cat food, and then you don't have to put it out. It comes That's out. That's true. It's all there. Well, the one stop shop. <laughs> well, the. the um, to, to break the idea of normal, though, to break the idea of structure, uh, you, you know, I mean, real, real quick, in a, in a different sort of way, I've been studying the human psyche for 25, well, much longer than that, and, I, and a while back, I'm a chief engineer at a TV station, and it's important for me to be right. I mean, what frequency are we broadcasting on? What is the modulation of the signal? I mean, my job was to ensure that everything was, quote, right, unquote. And I'm sitting there thinking, going, wait a minute. If, if karma is posturing, and I'm posturing with the need to be right, there has to be, there has to be power in being wrong. And so I allowed myself to be wrong, and I'm the boss, and I walk up in front of the department, and I said, hey, guys, I screwed up. I was wrong. How we're, getting, how we're planning on getting the HD audio here or there, whatever, I made a mistake. I'm wrong. Man, you could hear a pin drop. In the next meeting, I, I, I made sure I found somewhere I was wrong again, and I shared that, and they're looking at me like, what? And uh, fast forward, when I made it okay for me to be wrong, I made it okay for them to be wrong. And for a moment, I thought I let the cat out of the bag. But when I made it okay for them to be wrong, when I'd ask for suggestions, maybe one or two of the mavericks in the room would chime in and nobody else would suggest anything. But then people started suggesting, well, I don't know if this will work or not, but we could try this. And all of a sudden, they've got some skin in the game. The morale in the department went way up high. And, and, they're coming, and the guys are coming in in the morning saying, I was thinking about this last night at home. And I'm like, what? You would never have said that six months ago. And, and to posture with, in this case, being, quote, right, which was very important, but I was posturing with it, I, I was pinching off the brow with this template of how we should all behave. And, and when I flipped it over, the vibrancy, the excitement, the passion, the ownership of the department just went through the roof. And and that's why I'm getting at with this idea of things are supposed to be a particular way. You know, eat eat dinner on the front steps or in the back lawn or whatever. Wow. You know, it's really important. You're right. 
and however you could reach them to get them out of their regular comfort zone, it's it's massive. That's a that's a huge thing to do. Well, so basically, you took it on the chin. That well, I'm wrong. It's me. Well, I looked in the HR manual, and cattle prods were discouraged to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to find a different non-normal thing to do. But um, so so I, I I like what's happening here. How do you um how would you describe the differences in your life um, as far as how you look towards the future? So. Back in your life, when when you had anything but joy, perhaps, and you looked at the future, maybe you didn't have any, I don't want to put words in your mouth, uh, vision or motivation, and fast forward to now, and you have joy. When you look at your future now, what's the difference between those two? Oh, wow. Like day, as far apart as you can get. Um, but verbalize it. it Okay, uh, you know, for me, living here, this, you have to know that when I went through the really hard time and changed my life, this was, has nothing to do with moving to Malta. This was 15 years ago. It was not this new move. It, and I was not married. It was just me by myself, picking myself up and reclaiming a life and starting over. So I, I, I had learned the coping mechanisms and the, the practice of gratitude, all the things that it takes to build a better life, no matter where you are. But now that I live here, taking it all the way forward to Malta, to me, this is heaven on earth. Truly, beyond my wildest dreams, beyond anything I could have envisioned, this is so much better. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living someplace and really being someplace that is so far outside the realm of what you could have ever made up for yourself to be in joy, to be in bliss and to dream about because that's where I live now and yes it's the external but it's also who I've become living here I, I'm now in a in a like basically I came out of the being a potted plant and got buried you know got got re, rebuilt into a wild field there's no limit literally there's no limit so every day I walk outside I look at the sea because it's right off to the right and I thank God and I say please let me get to keep this life. It's the greatest experience of my entire life has been these last years. Nice. Beautiful. Very nice. And well, it's true. I mean, there's there's things here that, that people, a lot of people would come to visit and be like, are you kidding? She loves this. I have to tell you, I love it all. I love it all. But it, it, changed, it changed my perspective in every way imaginable. And so now I just, I have a very different set, set of skills, state of mind, way that I speak, way that I look, things that I notice, things that I appreciate. I am I'm living much simpler, much simpler, but enormously happier. Well, all right. Well, I'm going to drag our souls into this. They don't get off the <laughs> hook. The uh, So when did the first impulse move to Malta? come into your consciousness it didn't this was not my idea at all what i wanted was to leave the country live in a gmo free country anywhere in the world that was really it i wanted to live someplace where my children wouldn't be fed poison all day long and i wanted someplace warm so 
in my mind, I was thinking like the Virgin Islands or Hawaii, someplace <laughs> close. Some, you know, like that was it. I was not thinking of this side of the world at all. Europe didn't even cross my mind. And um, my husband's boss is the one that put this on the map uh, a year before we moved. And we started, to, first we thought we were moving to Grand Caymans. We sold our house. We thought we were going. And then it didn't happen. So then we hear about Malta. We start researching it. And then it didn't happen. And then COVID came. And by the time COVID came and he no longer had to drive to work, I became relentless. Let's go. Let's go. I don't even care where. Let's just pack up, sell everything we own, and move to a shack on the beach. Let's just get the heck out of here and start over and give our kids a dream life. And my husband finally was like, you have to stop. Just you have to stop. I cannot be, I have to be near where the boss is. My husband's the, the head technical officer. He's the CTO. He has to be near the CEO. I have to be wherever he is in the world. Well, at the same time that we're arguing over this, him, the boss and his wife are taking a cruise and get sidetracked over to Malta because of COVID. His wife gets off the ship, looks around, and she goes, no, I could live here. His boss calls the prime minister. They broker a deal. My husband looks up at me and goes, hey, you want to move to Malta? We had never visited. I didn't know what we were walking into. I just said yes, because I looked it up. Is it GMO-free? And it said Malta is the first of the EU to ban all GMOs. And I was like, that's it. We're going. But I had no idea that I would love it. I just thought it would be great for my kids, which in turn would make me happy. But instead, it became the paradise that I never knew I've always needed. Well, I like that. The I want to share... Well, I want to share what brings me joy and how it came into my life. My my heart told me to write a book. Les, write a book. And my ego's like, oh, hell no. Les, (laughs) write a book. What in the hell does some small town kid from Utah have to tell anybody? (laughs) Let's write a book. And for six years, my ego argued with my heart. And then I finally wrote a book. And it's like passing a Buick. I mean, your first book typically drags you through the weeds, right? And and now I fast forward and I love writing. I love to write. And what I'm getting at here is I would not have the joy of writing had I stayed in my brain. If my ego had made all the flipping decisions, I wouldn't know the joy that I know today. And it came about from listening to, honoring, and then taking action on the inspiration of my heart and my soul. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. You're like, you're you're giving me the tingles and the feels because when I started writing, I had no business writing. I had no no real background, but it it became what I feel like is anxiety to me is creativity with no place to go. Ooh. And I finally opened up and gave it a place to go. And ever since I started writing 15 plus years ago, I've never stopped, never. And it just puts me into such a blissful space because I gave it a place to go, and it used to choke me out because right. it had no relief. Right. I just didn't know what it was. I couldn't, I couldn't name it, and I couldn't understand it. And then when I finally gave it an avenue of expression, everything changed. And I think that happens with painters and musicians. I mean, think about these people nowadays 
that are becoming really well-known and being paid enough to not do other jobs because they started playing music on YouTube and then get music deals. I mean, these are people that first you have to believe enough in yourself to say, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And then you have to be a person that actually finishes it. And that's the big difference that I find is every time I say I write books, I promise you nine out of 10 go, I've always wanted to write a book. Or I started writing a book, it's in my closet. Oh, I have the best idea for a book. But they don't write it. And it never got published and it never printed. But when you finally get there, like you said, it's like you're dragging a a Buick. But when it shows up at your door and it's in a cover, you did it. And then everything really changes because you change. Yeah. Well, and and when you dump all the stuff out of your mind into the book, new improved stuff comes in your head and it and it's like it had backlogged. <laughs> yes. When when you get ink on paper, all the contextual stuff that the ink talks about is freed from your psyche and then new improved stuff shows up and and you write another book, and it, the cycle of joy is repeated. You know, that's exactly how I describe body healing from the body, is crying. When people cough or they cry their eyes out and have this huge emotional release, tears are a physical manifestation of pain leaving the body. You cannot put it back. Can't. And so when you write and you put ink to the page, that's the same thing. It's just coming through the fingers. It's coming through the mind. It's working its way through and out. There needs to be some physical end point, whether that's tears, whether that's writing, but it has to be able to escape. And that's when everything changes. Right. Well, the uh, we've talked about pain quite a bit on this show. And uh, uh, the last quarter of last year, I had two extremely painful events. And I chose, I consciously chose... So I I found this enormous amount of extremely intense pain in my psyche um, from my past that would typically be unconscious. And I see, I connect with it, and holy crap, there it is. I decide to be fully conscious and move through the pain to heal my relationship with pain I'm going to go immerse myself in this pain in my psyche. And my God, Emily, it it laid me out like a freight train. It it felt like I was chained to the ground and hot molten lava consumed my body slowly. And um, I don't say this as a glutton or any kind of thing like that, but I think the unresolved crap in our psyche... What I'm getting at now is in the since it's been a month or two since then, oh my God, I feel happy just for happy's sake and it i I don't know how how else to describe it, but it's uh uh there's a there's a freedom to it. There's, it's like happy as parked its ass in the center of my psyche, and I can't stay out of it anymore. And I don't need it to be any particular way. It's not hinged on anything. But, oh my God, it's, mm. and, and I, 
imagine being on a planet where there was no pain or suffering and people were living their authentic life and and Happyville was the name of every flipping city on the planet. Um, I, oh, wouldn't that be nice? The divine idea of the human persona living living a happy, fulfilling life, that's a magical thing. It is a magical thing. I think the part that I want people to really hear is it's not only privy to you or to me. It's not only privy to people that are further ahead in the game. It's actually available to every person. It's your inherent human divine right to find and discover and create. Very nice. And and life's too short, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's why I like having this conversation about uh, uh, the taste of joy. I think happiness and joy are in the same realm and uh um so i'm delighted to have you on the show i'm so grateful to be here and i do i want i want to share with people and i'm hoping this book grows legs and wings because i i think i think there's enough sadness and grief and you know the conversations around healing they're always so heavy yeah but they don't have to be there is a whole other side of this and i want people to know it because because we all deserve it. I got to tell you, these farmers here, they're the most, and it's really, I'm grouping them because they really are the most darling group of people I have ever encountered in my life. And one of the things that I love about being here is there's a, a huge population of elderly people. And, and they just take life much less seriously. They're happy to be here. And being around a lot of these people have really opened my eyes, my heart, my understanding, my awareness, my gratitude, because it's really incredible to to meet the kind of people that I've come across here. I don't think enough of them are out in public in the United States, to be honest, because they're all in the nursing homes. And here, because it's multi-generational, the nursing homes are very little, and the people that live at home with their families who take care of them through the end is much, much larger over here. And it's 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 a beautiful life that people are living. I think people live longer. The the average age range is 10 years longer than the United States over here. And I think it's because people don't want to let it go because they're so happy. I really do. Right. Oh yeah. That that makes that makes total sense. Well, I'm delighted that you've immersed yourself in that um environment and you're sharing it in your writing so you can birth it in the consciousness of humanity all over the planet with your book being the seed that introduces these elements that you experience every day to people that might live in a concrete jungle in a big city in a big country and long for what you're experiencing yes i'm i'm I've been very blessed. And it's amazing to be this blessed because I'm not allowed to work over here. You know how different that makes everything? It is amazing. I don't have a work visa. I'm not allowed to take a penny from anybody. So here I write this regular column in the tourism magazine. We have a monthly review of a different farm. I have to go track these people down and figure out what we're going to write about, who we're going to meet. This is all me. And this is some little American girl walking down the street like, hey, excuse me, I'm American. I'd love to talk to you. And they're like, uh, I don't want no, I don't want, 
and they send me away. So it's been a long time and a lot of building to to be able to immerse myself the way I have. The opportunity is enormous, but it's also so pure because it was built out of just heart and soul and passion and grit. And people often wonder why I make myself crazy and do this kind of work when there's not a penny to be had in the magazine. To me, it's the joy of it. It's it. What would you want to do with your life if money had no part of it? That's that's pretty cool. But it was crazy because all of a sudden I can't do body work that I've done for the last 20 years. I can't be in practice. But I didn't want to just close up shop. So I figured out a different avenue for health and healing, and it's been glorious. Very nice. Um, well, I'm sitting here thinking uh, the island of Malta in farmers, and the the food goes from the ground close by. Yes. And then onto the table. I'm Within hours. I'm slightly deviating from the topic, but <laughs> um, the the divine design of plants and gardens, the plants read our chemistry as we garden them. They literally yes. take in chemical signals from our persona, our, our physiology, our bodies, and they change their chemical disposition to become what our bodies are asking for. And to have that close cycle of the person touching the plant is the person eating the plant or very or very closely yes. related. I intend to create that model as well um, um, in a, a commune or campus or whatever the hell you want to call it because divinity wasn't broken. Nature wasn't broken. Our our Western academic minds came in, and and <laughs> I'm going to go off on a tangent, and that's not going to. I'll go with you. No, I'll go with you. <laughs> I, I will take. I will. I will join you there because I have a story that matches that. Well, we'll need another episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, oh, that's so unfortunate. Well, it uh, provides opportunity because um, I'm I'm. Uh, I recently spent a lot of time with the water that I drink, and I it took me several iterations to come up with a water treatment system. And now I think I have really vibrant water, and f- for about a month, my body couldn't stop drinking it. And I want to say the... The, the the viscosity of my persona, if that makes sense. I just feel mm-hmm. more lucid inside. And my body is just flipping happy with this this water arrangement. And when I go to a restaurant or something, the last thing, I, I look at the water and it's like, I'm not sure I want to put that in my body. And, and I used to drink that stuff all the time. We've had to do a lot with water, too, here because they selenate the water. So we have to do a lot of cleaning and clearing. And, you know, but it's the water, it's the plants, the way that the – I was just going to tell you really quick. When I was practicing studying yoga, and we lived at the yoga ashram many years ago, but my, my acupuncturist and mentor and dear friend came for the weekend. And when you're a visitor, you do some of the foods. 
they had the same fruits out from the same place. One lady made it in the morning, a fruit salad, and then my acupuncturist made the same fruit salad in the evening, but they tasted completely different. And I said, oh my gosh, this is the best mango I've ever had. This is the best oranges. This is the best, all the different fruits. They all tasted so much more vibrant. And she said, oh, that's because I was doing Reiki the whole time I was cutting and, and squeezing out the juice and putting my hands over it and praying over it. And yeah, you can taste the love. And it was the first time that I really understood the magnitude of what goes in your food from the hands that are cultivating. Yes. Water is very much like unexposed film. And it, it takes the imprint of its environment and takes it on as its vibration. So you can pass love on, like she was doing Reiki as she's working with the plants. The water as film recorded that and then conveyed it to the receptor, both cellularly and, and through the personality. And that's what you were describing. Well, hell, why are we talking about joy? Let's talk about farming. <laughs> yeah, right. I finally know something, at least. <laughs> this was all very new. I've never met a farmer in America, ever. And so it, I was in the city, you know. I used to work on farms. I mean, knee-deep in cow sunshine, as we called it, and buck and hay and milk and cows and... <laughs> <laughs> There's something about a farm to, to to live on the earth, so to speak. Well, an hour can go by pretty fast. I want to turn the attention on you, Emily. Uh, tell us about your book. Tell us about um, how people can connect with your book and with you, please. Uh, uh, please, you can go to mymaltalife.com. It'll connect you to all my social media sites and everything else you need to know. It's all It all gets directed there, so it's easier, mymaltalife.com. And the book, The Taste of Joy, Mediterranean Wisdom for a Life Worth Savoring, does have recipes in every chapter from my locals. And uh, I invite you to, to read it and to take a vacation from your life and join me in the Mediterranean for a little bit. Wow, very nice. Well, it's... Uh... I think humanity's been in the pressure cooker perhaps for thousands of years, so to speak, and 2020 is kind of like uh, normal got pitched out the door. To when when we all think about 2019, we can imagine a life we were living, and it was pretty cut and dried, so to speak, and, and now everything's been turned on its head. Humanity really has a fantastic opportunity to introduce new ideas, new dynamics, new ways of living. And I think if we add just a pinch, just a taste of joy in our new dynamic, joy is powerful stuff. When when you have that element of joy in your life, it it ripples through all of your intentions. I totally agree. I think joy is some powerful juju. <laughs> well, Emily, it's been delightful having you on the show tonight. I want to uh, thank you for sharing your life. And really, I want to thank you for transposing yourself into a completely new dynamic and being organic enough to see the deep and profound gifts that are so subtle and so simple 
and you're conveying that to humanity. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. We've been talking with Emily Francis, and the topic tonight has been A Taste of Joy, her latest book. What a fun what a fun interview. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Emily is quite the character in such a joyful way. We talked about water at towards the end there a little bit. Um if if you want to investigate water, I suggest you search the term bovis, B O V I S, bovis scale. It's, uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You can decide for yourself. But um, the idea behind it is a a vitality, uh, a rejuvenation, if you will, of the water. How much, uh, I don't know, life force energy or um, whatever that the water has. So uh, water with a high bovis rating would be vibrant and alive and and water in the swamp or um, rate low on that. And what I did with the water here in the house is 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 really rooted in that bovis scale. And I'm not done looking at water. I'm I, I think I'll play with water for maybe a decade or three because water is is a fascinating thing. Once you start getting intentional with it and whatnot, it uh, it responds in kind. Well, I want to thank you, the listener. You know, I want to thank Susan. Susan and I have worked together. I, we're probably going on nine years. If you've been a guest on the show, you've talked to Susan. And uh, she she is a real big element to what makes this podcast run we have guests booked out months in advance and and she she manages all the minutiae of it and that make my brain or my hair or both catch on fire and and she handles it so eloquently i i want to take this time and thank susan for all that she does um i want to thank you the listener here you are showing up for yourself what a powerful thing to do. It's, uh, I think it's pretty much impossible for us to ever exhaust our potential. And that potential perhaps is the portal of love, the gateway of divine consciousness that is eternally flowing into our persona. And, uh, so I've really enjoyed the oh so many episodes we've had to to talk about what might that look like. Always a pleasure. Until next time. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to a New Human Living broadcast. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Let me ask you a question. How many times during today, this day, Has your heart and soul had direct communication with you? Our egos, left unchecked, 
will easily consume all of our thoughts and consciousness as we go throughout the day. Where we really are living an ego-led life. But our ego cannot even comprehend the vision our soul has for us. If you want to increase your personal power, make space throughout your day for your heart and soul to inspire you. Citizen King, The New Age of Power is a book I wrote just for that. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. Until next time, thanks for listening.